This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I'm joined by an All-Star World Series champion, and we were teammates in the early 2000s with the Seattle Mariners. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Arthur Rhodes. Arthur, thanks for coming on the program. Good morning, Brett. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. We got to catch up recently at, at a, a mutual friend of ours uh, golf tournament, Ryan Franklin. Ryan Franklin and John Daly uh, Classic, I guess we'd call it. Yeah, we call it a classic. It's classic. Yeah. All right. We discussed this. You were unaware. Uh, I'm going to get to your story in a second. All right. For all you guys out there listening to the Boom Podcast, uh, Arthur and myself were teammates for several years. We played against each other a lot at a lot of different levels. And what's unique about our uh, first encounter, we met back, oh, it's got to be what now? It's 32, 32 years ago, let's call it. 33 years ago. Long time ago. And let me set up the story. I... All right, I, I signed out of USC. Arthur was a big prospect for for the uh, for Orioles. the uh, for the Baltimore Orioles. I sign. I get my assignment, which is is the Carolina League. I'm headed to Peninsula, Virginia. I get in the I, I get in the cab. I take the take the uh, shuttle over to to War Memorial Park. I meet my new teammates. It's a ball for the Seattle Mariners, and uh, you know I'm this new kid coming from a college program and you know how we get college back then. <laughs> and my teammate said, Booney, I'll tell you what, congratulations. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners, but you picked a bad night because he got this lefty throwing like a hundred. And so I'm just saying you picked a bad night for your debut. Ended up being Arthur Rhodes. I went and I grabbed the, the smallest bat that I could possibly find. Cause that's what, you know, in college we're using those Easton's. No. So, uh, <laughs> Arthur Rhodes, my first minor league AB. Fast forward two years later, I get called up to the big leagues. Arthur's already been there for a year. And I'm on my way to Camden Yards, and I got my USA Today. And I look in the in the box score. Guess who's starting that night? Arthur Rhodes. So I don't think too many people can say for their first at bat, in the as a pro player, you face you face the same guy that you faced the first at bat in the big leagues. Pretty awesome. I want to hear about what do you remember about your first hitter you faced pro ball, first hitter in the big leagues? 
my first hitter, I guess it was you. No, I was your first. I, I was your, you were already a pro. My first oh. hitter? Yeah. So my first hitter, I got to go way back in Bluefield, man. Bluefield, West Virginia. Just come straight out of high school, sign a contract, out of high school, go straight to Bluefield, West Virginia. And my, whoo, man, it was probably, I think it was Mark. He played for the Indians. I think, but I don't remember. It's been so long, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> how about your even... first? How about how about your debut in the big leagues? Your first hitter. You remember that? My first hitter in the big league. It was, I know it was with the Rangers. It was probably who was leading off with the Rangers in '91. Oh shoot, Arthur! I don't know. There, maybe there maybe, you go. Maybe Brian Downing. I have no idea. Probably Brian Downing, or probably. Uh, Oh man, I don't go back. Go back that far. I'm too old. To See, the thing is, I think the reason I I remember not only were we teammates, but it it's so rare because you were my first. And then uh, wait a minute, Arthur was my first because they made a big deal about it, Nayball. And right. then I go into the big leagues. I'm like, that's weird. Arthur's gonna be my first big big league at bat too. So uh, no, I I get it though. How you don't remember? I think my circumstances were so unique facing you twice. It was just. Uh, you know, it, it, it was stuck in my mind. But it was crazy, man, facing you. Why is that? It was crazy because I didn't know you. you coming straight out of college and you get used to using that aluminum bat. I said, okay, I'm going to try to sneak a fastball in and see if you're going to be able to hit him. That's right. Back then I was young. I could I could, <laughs> waylay, I could waylay that ball inside. Uh-huh. Um, you played – and this is amazing to me. I, I I knew you play. I knew you played a long time. You had a long career. I didn't know you played twenty one years. You played twenty one years. I played fourteen, and I felt like that was a lot. You know, I I could have mixed in a few more years, but uh, that's a long. That's a third more than I. What what do you attribute it to? The longevity. Well, to tell you the truth, Brett, I learned a lot when uh when I was with Baltimore because I had Cal Ripken. He was out there, my shortstop. He helped me out a lot. Then I had, uh, rest in peace, uh, L. Ron Hendricks, my bullpen coach. He helped me out a lot. Then I think that what made my career go longer when I got sent to the bullpen, when I was in the bullpen in 90, 95 and 96 with the Orioles. And I, that's, I think that's when my career took off. And when, it, when I, I was setup guy, then I went to closer, then – when I got to Seattle, that's when I was the the good setup guy. When we had Norm Charlton, Sasaki, Flacco, and uh, Penny Agua, Jeff Nelson, and and you go one in, and your career gonna last for a long time like that. And and I just kept keeping my body in shape and kept my arm in shape. Twenty years was a long time, but you know what? I wanted twenty one. So I can catch my good buddy Jesse Orozco. Yeah, Orozco played <laughs> forever. You know, I had Lee Smith on and Trevor and and Raleigh Fingers, guy that's had long careers in the bullpen at the back end. When you're a kid coming up and you're this, you're this in our prospect days, and, mm-hmm. and you're a starter. Back then, it was, it was 
starting pitching was the way to go. And if you were a top guy, you always go, you always go in the starting rotation. And the bullpen's an afterthought. Now, nowadays, a lot different. You know, they oh, groom yeah. these these group they groom these kids at a young age uh to be specialists in the bullpen. And they're they're paying they're paying a lot of money for bullpen arms in 2023. In your day, they paid pretty good, but now I, I know you look at the salaries just like I look at a second baseman salary now and go, wow. <laughs> You ain't joking. But then you look at these guys right now. They only go three batters. They might go back-to-back days. You try to put them guys going back-to-back days like we used to do it back in the day, I don't think they'll last. Uh, you talked about 95. Half the half the year you were a starter in 95, that's when you right. made your change to the pen. 96, you started two games. And after 96, you didn't start another game in the big leagues. Right. Uh, when you first got – I don't know who told you. But you, you're just used to coming pitching every fifth day. Who told you you're going to make the switch to the bullpen? And how did a young Arthur Rhodes, how did you take that? Did you take it as a demotion or did you take it as, no, maybe this is something for me that I can really thrive in that role? No, I didn't. I took it like a grown man because I was still young at that time. And uh, I think it was uh, I think it was Ray Miller, Ray Miller, or uh, uh, David, David Johnson that sat me down. We went in the office and talking about we're gonna move you to the bullpen. Then Elrod Hendricks is in there, and he said we're gonna work you slow like you like you're a starter. But I was uh, I was a long man, did a great job in long man. Then probably the next year, or the following year, I moved back to a setup guy. But like I said, man, once you move back from starter to you go to the bullpen, like I tell everybody, you just gotta keep your head up and and you just want to be in big leagues and and just keep doing what you're doing. When your name is called to go in the bullpen, like you go in the second inning, if the starter get hurt, you go in the second inning, you go out there and give four or five good innings, and you're going to sit down for three days, and you go back out and do the same thing. I, w- I want to talk about life in the bullpen because, you know, as position players, <laughs> we, we, we don't pay attention to you guys. We see everything going on, but we got our own thing to do. Uh, you mentioned you were closer for a bit in your career, but the, mm-hmm. the bulk of your career uh, – and the Arthur Rhodes I know was that that elite setup guy, and and I got to see it up close and personal. Two thousand one, it was one of your best years. You had a, under a two ERA. It was you and Jeff Nelson at the end of the game, and and those were our two guys to get us to to Kazuhiro Sasaka. I want to talk about life in the pen. Okay, now you talk about being a long man. Long men can be very important. You mentioned Flacco. Flacco, to everybody out there listening, is is Ryan Franklin. He was a huge part of our early 2000s Seattle Mariners because he was the guy, like you said, that starter has a rough inning. He might be in the game in the first inning, second inning, and he's got to eat up some innings for us. Ryan did a tremendous, tremendous job for that on those Seattle Mariners teams. But then there's other roles. You go into a closer role where you're not going to – you're not coming in until the ninth inning. You've also you've also the bulk of your career were in that seventh eighth inning uh, role. When you're a closer, or when Arthur, you know, in your Seattle days with me, you weren't coming in. You and Nelly weren't going to come into the game unless it was a high leverage situation, seventh or eighth inning. So tell me about the life. First pitch, as a closer or as a setup man, are you already in the bullpen with those guys? I'm a I'ma put myself when I have my best career in 2001. I'm gonna go as a setup guy. Okay. So I'm not there in the first inning. Okay. I learned from Lee Smith. Okay, well, that's one I know I was still young at that age, but 
I'm not there in the first inning. I get out there about the third or fourth inning because I watch the hitters in the clubhouse on TV. I get my treatment, then, then about the first inning, I'm sitting in my locker, getting my clothes on, taking my time, then I'm getting ready. Then I'm watching the game and still at the same time, but when the second inning come around, third inning come around, I'm getting prepared to go out there in the game to the bullpen. Then third inning come around, I'm rolling out to the dugout. Then by the time the fourth inning starts, I'm in the dugout, shaking all that guy's hand, giving him high five, talking to him. Then fourth or fifth inning, I'm focused on the game. Now I'm starting to focus on the game, see how the game dictate. If we win in, I'm getting prepared. About the sixth inning, I'm stretching, starting to stretch, get my own body loose, starting to move around. By the seventh inning, I'm already ready to go to jump on the mound, be ready in the seventh, be ready. One out, two outs, whatever loop, whatever you want to put me in, I'll be ready to go. So as a setup guy, you just got to be ready for the seventh inning and eighth inning and let your closer get the ninth. It's it's important too. I I think we all, in whatever our role is, uh, it's important to have a, a program. You mentioned yours, how you dictate your day. Right. Uh, for me as a hitter, I you know I had it. I had it too. It's like okay at uh, at five thirty, I go in and I eat my pregame meal. At six fifteen, I'm starting to I'm starting to put on my uniform. I'm starting to put on my elbow pad, and and I had a routine that I did every day. I'm right. checking out my bats for that game. I'm, here's my backup. Here's my my second backup, and I've got them labeled because I know if if I break a bat, I, I know I don't want that that double backup bat coming in. I want a particular one coming in, and the bat boy at that time, and I'm going to write on my on the end of my bat. This right. is my replacement for tonight. So we all have our our little things. You know, I go down to the cage, let's say, for a 7.05 game. Uh, I know my cage time. Edgar has his cage time. Ichiro has his cage time. I know at seven at 6.54, I've got that right-hand cage. So at 6.53, I start moseying down. So you're right. We all have a routine, and it what's – and, and especially as we become veteran players and we do this for a while, we, we find out what works – and I think the great ones have always had some sort of routine oh, yeah. uh, to fall back on, you know, yeah. good, good, bad, and different. Cause you're going to go out there. Sometimes you're going to punch out the side. Sometimes you're going to have a rough inning. That's baseball, just like a hitter. Sometimes I'm going to have a great game. Sometimes I'm going to be old for four and make an error, but that's right. part of, part of living the life. Yeah. As a bullpen kick, I always find this fascinating. You know, I, I wasn't very good at pinch hitting. When I had a day off, I wasn't very good. I, I, I can kind of read the, like you said, I, I could kind of read the writing on the wall. Lou said I wasn't going to play today, but I don't trust him <laughs> because he'll panic and make a, a knee a knee jerk decision anytime he put me in. I know that, so I never would put that out of the realm of possibility. As a bullpen guy, as a setup guy, mm -hmm. every day you don't know. You're a pinch hitter every day, and you're thinking, okay, I know when I probably am going to be used because of the the lineup we're facing uh the situation of the game the score of the game so what i don't know how often did you pretty much know i'm in there tonight and, and how many times did you think i'm in there and all of a sudden you weren't in there but tell the truth i go by the i go by the score of the game and i go i tell myself i got to be ready every day it's not. It's not take a break off. You, you got to be ready every day, from the seventh inning to the ninth inning. Cause like you said, Lou, 
he wanted to win every game. And like I said, I was ready every day. And you got to have a good mind, mind focus. And you say, you know what? If we're down two runs, by the seventh inning, you know we're going to score some runs. And if the game is tied, Lou's going to put us in the game. If we up one run, Lou's going to put us in the game. If we even down one run or two runs, we still was in the game because, like you said, we can come back and score runs anytime. Anybody score runs anytime, but you just have to be ready on your toes from the seventh inning on. You just got to be ready. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, explain to me what goes on with the rookies. Now, I watch it. You know, us position where we watch, but I'm always seeing some young players got some goofy backpack with something. He's always headed down to the bullpen. Tell the Boone podcast what goes on, uh, especially back in our day. It's a little bit different today, as, as oh, yeah. we know. But back in let's let's turn the clock back 20 years and, and say what what is the typical uh, how do you welcome? a new player, a new pitcher to the bullpen. What's his role? I know he's got to be out there for the first pitch or he's going to be getting in trouble. He oh, yeah. doesn't have that luxury of setting up his his program yet. That comes with with uh that that comes with earning it actually. Yeah. So when uh when a rookie back in our day when a rookie come up, he get called up to the big leagues. And when as soon as he get there the first day, he have a backpack in his locker. That means he got to take sunflower seeds. He got to take bubble gum. He got to take all the goodies out, what we like, all the veterans. So once he get to the ballpark, we acknowledge him, congratulations, tell him, hey, hey, congratulations, make it up to the big leagues. Now, you know what? It's your job. That backpack right there, you got to fill everything up to take out to the bullpen, and you got to be out there for the first pitch. What happens if he's not? If he's not on the first pitch, he get fined. He get fined okay. by the bullpen. So with the bullpen, all the veteran guys get together. We say how much is fine what is. So we'll find him for a little bit, or he'll take us out to dinner. Bullpen coaches. Yes. Once again, a, 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 a not very hailed job. They're down in the bullpen grinding with you guys, pretty much answering the phone, telling who to get ready, who, who Skipper wants getting loose to be prepared for the hitters. Bullpen coach, and this is really an interesting thing. And I love this topic because I never talk about it. And I never talked about it when I played, but BP for a position player, really important. Uh, I had Johnny Mack, John McLaren, for a lot of years that he got me right for the game. And I didn't like the days where Johnny had to take a day off and rest his arm because, man, he was just my way of getting loose for the game. 
all the years you played, all the different bullpen catchers, was there a big deal or did it matter who was warming you up? Uh, when I was with the Orioles, with Baltimore, Elrod Hendrick always warmed me up. He so he was your, so he he was was your guy. Yeah. He was my guy. He was my guy all the time warming up. Then, then once he got older, he can squat down. Then it was like, you get some little rookie catcher out there, or you get a you get the backup catcher out there to warm you up. But it's just, it was always been Elrod Hendricks. Then, like Seattle, we had uh, we had um, little Allen, the Rocket, the Rocket. We had yeah. him. I beat him up a couple of times, hit him in the chest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, once you get uh, once you get too used to a bullpen catcher. And they always gonna they always gonna want you to catch catch him because I always wanted to rock it because Rocket he always got a good target just like Dan Wilson low target the the way I liked it and and every time I warmed up getting ready to warm up he was back there doing my job doing his job warm me up. Favorite bullpens in the big leagues? Which one do you go to that city and go? I really like that bullpen. Something about it because we have as players we got dugouts places we hit well. Uh, but for you, it's a different life. You got a bullpen. Oh, that's a good bullpen in a certain situation, certain place. I've, I, right. I've, ne- I've never been to most of the bullpens. Oh, you don't. That's not your job. You don't post no. in the bullpen. Right. Favorite bullpen was Baltimore and Seattle. I like I like the fans around me to to see how see how good you're throwing the ball, see how bad you're throwing the ball. Then it's like in Seattle. Seattle was the best because you had the fans back there. They can watch you warm up. You can go back there and talk to the little kids. You can sign autographs for the little kids. Then you got the background back there in the center field. All them fans back there watching you throw, and you you just throwing strike after strike. Then you bounce a curveball, then you go up in the stand. They got a souvenir. But Baltimore, Seattle, St. Louis was nice, man. St. Louis and and um, where else? Uh. That's about it because that's the only three stadiums I like. All right. You talked about you love the fans in Seattle, love the bullpen in Seattle. Now, what are the worst bullpens and the the worst fans? (laughs) Well, I'm going to go. The first one is going to be Boston. I hated that bullpen because you got all the knuckleheads sitting right there. And, you know, Boston fans, they don't like the opponent team then. The second one is Yankees at the old stadium. I'm going back to the old stadium when we played. That was rough. I'm talking about we had Baltimore and uh, New York had a playoff game. That's when Tony Tarasco and uh, uh, Garcia missed their home run. Their little kid caught the ball low. The fans. Right. right. And the fans went crazy. I was warming up. I had batteries thrown at me. had nickels, had pretzels. I had freaking macaroni throwing at us, warming up. And it's, it's Boston and uh, New York, the worst uh, the worst two stadiums. You had a different experience than me from a fan standpoint. You know, I talked to a good friend of both of ours, Mike Cameron, all the time right. about it. He said, Booney, it's different being in the infield than it is being in the outfield. And, and <laughs> when you think about it, like for you, old Yankee Stadium, right. you're out there. Those aren't the most expensive seats. You're going to get a different caliber of fan that's paying – you know, 12 bucks 
50, 15 bucks for a ticket versus when I'm on deck and people are yelling at me, and believe me, they yelled at me plenty. Usually they're yelling at me from the $500 seat. You know what I'm saying? So you're yeah. going to have like businessmen and corporations. Cammy would tell me some of the stadiums we'd go into, and not only Cammy, but all the outfielders. Mm-hmm. That man, man, it's a different ball game in the outfield when the seats aren't as expensive, the things they say to you. It's, it's bad out there, man. You hear everything. You hear everything, especially the old Yankee Stadium. It was bad. I, right field, left field, wherever you uh, – center field, they're they, they going to find you. They're going to get on you, especially the bullpen. Our bullpen was the – they didn't like us out there. What do you think – what do you think the differences are between being a great setup man, being a great closer? Is it a mindset? Is it something – I don't know. You explain the, the differences of the two. I, a setup man is the seventh inning and eighth inning. You you got your mindset like, okay, there might be some left-handers. I might go in, in the, the, say, the third hitter, fourth hitter, and the fifth hitter. So I go left, right, left. Then then in the, in the closer row, you might have one, two, three, or you might have four, five, six. You're gonna have a harder lineup when you're a closer, and the best thing I would I like was being a setup guy because you can get the bottom of the lineup, you can get the middle of the lineup, and you can you can go left on left, you can go left right left, and when you're a closer, you you got left 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 right right right, and you just and closer is the hardest thing to do. Talk about coming into a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've come in both. Do you prefer a clean inning? Or sometimes, I mean, if you come, if, let's say you're they're bringing Arthur Rhodes in in a tight game, but you've got runners on second and third when you're entering the game one out. Um, well, they're not your runs, obviously. It's not gonna, That's not those those aren't your runs on base. Well, but I don't did, put it that way. I don't put it that way. I'm trying. All right, to, this I is, let them run score. I'm, if right. it's my starter, I'm not gonna let it run score. It's my my partner in my bullpen. I'm not gonna let it run score because we're trying to keep the score the same. Right. Okay. That, that that's the kind of the answer, the thought process I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you come, did you prefer a clean inning, or did you like sometimes think, "All right, this is a challenge for me. I'm going to pick up my guy before me. Watch, watch me pick this guy up." Or, right. or did you prefer a clean inning, or, or didn't it matter? Just give me the ball. I like I like a clean inning because I like to go out there fresh, out straight out of the bullpen, go straight to the mound, strike strike one, strike two, get one, two, three. However, how many batters I was going to face. But coming in a tight situation, that's when I really bear down and I'm focusing and I'm not going to let the run score. It was, it wasn't a big challenge for me, but I like doing both of them, put it that way. I love okay. doing both of them. We were teammates in uh, 01 to 03. Uh, what do you remember most about those years? Obviously, we had a lot of success. We only went to the playoffs one time. We're winning 93 games and going home. That wouldn't happen nowadays. 93 games in this current format, you're going to the postseason. Yes. But uh, we, we had some great times. I remember I, I just had come over. I was in Seattle as a kid when we were in the kingdom. And I went, you know, I went to Cincinnati and Atlanta, and I ended up coming back to, to Seattle for that 01, our great 01 season. I was there through 05. Uh, what do you remember about those years? Uh, we'll talk a little, Lou, 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to you about the I'm gonna get to you about the earrings, by the way. But <laughs> what do you, what do you remember about those years? As far, for me, you know, because I'm sure you're asked about it as much as I am. Right. That 01 Mariners team and and how didn't we finish the deal? I think a lot of us to this day we're still sitting here wondering how did we not finish the deal? It was such a magic ride for all of us from start to finish. That team, it was an awesome team. I mean, it was just. A lot of veterans and some young guys were, were right. mixed in. We had Lou Pinella, and I think he did his finest work then. I mean, it just every day uh, he could put a smile on your face or something he every, was going to do. But, every day but, was comical with Lou. Yeah. But so, yeah. give me your uh, just overall impression in the early 2000s in Seattle. First, in 2000, when I first got to Seattle, it was just like we we starting. We had a good team. We had a great team. And we was just we just needed to guy we needed the guys that make it better. And then when we got to two thousand one, that's in two thousand we had what, Ichiro? No, t- one was uh, one. Ichiro one was and my first year. Ichiro. Yeah. Right. No, one, no, one was, was his first year. year. Yeah. Then then once we got that, it was like it was just like our team was a veteran team. And you can't, once you got all them veteran teams, we didn't, we didn't have that many rookies. And so the only thing we could do is just go out there and, and play the game like we, we know how to play it back in the day. And so when I remember about Seattle, is just, we're just winning games and going out there and having fun and just putting a stick to everybody. You got a loose story for everybody in the Boom Podcast? Because uh, there's a million of them. Oh, we got a whole bunch of them. Pick one. From a pitcher's, I'm always giving the hitter's perspective. Oh. Give me one from the pitcher's perspective. I think I think I came into a game. Who was it? I think it was a rookie pitcher throwing. I don't know if Freddie was throwing. So he came he came in a Freddie well, I guess Freddie wasn't throwing strike or somebody wasn't throwing strikes. Freddie Garcia. Yeah. Yeah. And so he wasn't throwing strikes, and and uh, I guess he got to the fifth or sixth inning, and he started throwing a lot of balls. I guess Lou called up on me. He said, well, son, <laughs> well, son, you come in the game because that effing guy couldn't throw strikes. He was throwing all them balls now. I want you to come out here and give me one, two, three. All right? Okay. All right. Did the job, and he said, "Look, I'm done." He said, "Yeah, you done. Go on, go in the clubhouse. You did your job. Go on, go about your business." <laughs> but yeah, yeah. look, he didn't. He didn't like guys like he started walking guys, and he couldn't find the strike zone, and he had to take them out right away, or he let them go four or five innings. You had you definitely had to prove yourself with Lou. I mean, he was you know I had him as a young player, then I had him as a veteran player. It, it was a different world for me the second time around. But if he respected you, he needed to respect you as a man and oh, as yeah. a player, and as a player, not just one or the other. But if he respected you as a man and as a player, that guy would he'd go through a brick wall for you. And yes. if he didn't, he was going to make life very hard on you. We both saw some of the guys he made yeah. life hard on. You know. Oh yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back. I think it was 2001. Uh-huh. I'm playing second base. Arthur Rhodes comes into the game. Omar Vizquel. 
Oh. Walk me through it, the earrings, okay? And I'll set it up for you a little bit. Arthur came in the game. Arthur was he, – he always wore these these two diamond earrings. That's how we pitched. He wore, wore them all the time. It was never a problem. We're playing the Cleveland Indians, and I and I think it was late in the season. Was it a day game? It was a day game, and it had the day game. Open. Right. right. And and I don't think we were happy with Omar at that time anyway for something, something that had gone on between the two teams. But Omar, I'm going to let you uh, that set it up. Arthur's got his earrings on. Omar Vizquel's in the box. You tell the rest of the story. So I'm warming up. They called down to the bullpen. I think it was like the seventh inning, sixth or seventh inning. And they say, you got to get ready for Omar. I said, all right. So it took me like 15 pitches. I was ready to go. So he come up. Lou come out and said, left-hander, come on in the game. So I got got to the board, got to the mound. Then before I went through one warm-up pitches, Omar Vizquel told the umpire or told uh, McClellan he need to take his earrings out. I told him, I said, for what? I said, I've been pitching with my earrings on for the last 10, 15 years or, say, Eight years, I said, "You that little midget gonna tell me to take my earrings?" <laughs> so I really didn't say that, but I said, "I've been pitching with him on." I said, "I'm not gonna take him out." They said, "Well, Art, he said you need to take him out because the sun is glaring off your earrings from center field." I said, "Well, don't matter. I've been that roof been open, and I'm not gonna take my earrings out." He said, "Well, you're gonna take them out." All right. Let me get my eight warm-up tosses first, then I take them out. Got my eight warm-up tosses, took my earrings out. I said, okay, since I took them out, the first pitch is going to hit you right in your ear hole. Then Tim McCullough said, Arthur, you, you ejected. <laughs> Didn't get to throw one pitch to him. I like it. I like yeah. it. I, I remember that too, because it, it was it was almost it was always like it was almost like gamesmanship. He was he was going to test you. It really yeah. nobody else had ever complained about that because if it was something, uh, a lot of guys pitch with earrings in. You know, oh, yeah. I never it never bothered me one time. Now if it was something where it was a real thing where it really did glare, mm-hmm. well then it would have been a known thing amongst hitters and, and there would probably be a rule in place that you can't, you can't wear them. And no matter what, like pitching with a white glove, you can't do that because the balls are the same color. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You moved around a lot in your career. Probably the life of a uh, of of a setup man, of a closer. You do move around a lot. As you got older, got more experience. Did it get easier for you? Did you know going into every year, unless you had a you know multi year contract and that still might not have mattered. Did it get easier for you to, to move? Like, were you always ready to, Hey honey, we might be going to the next, we might be going to a new city or, or, or did it never get it? Did it never get easy for you? No, it was, it got hard when uh, you had the kids because you gotta, you gotta pack up for spring training for the kids and you gotta pack up after spring training to go to your, wherever you plan. But it was, 
it was harder in the beginning of the season. And at the end of the season, like it was, it got easier and easier and easier because wherever I sign, I use just pack our stuff up, just send it already, already just send the cards there or send the clothes already to say I sent them to Seattle or I sent them to Cleveland. But it, it got easier as, as my career got longer, uh, older. We talked about it. You played 21 years. 2011 was a pretty special year for you. You start the, you start the season in, in Texas. You finish with St. Louis. And it, it's a pretty unique story. Uh, you end up winning a World Series with the St. Louis Cardinals. And you're beating the Texas Rangers, who, who you moved on from. Uh, I think we were joking about it at, at the golf tournament. We're like, because we were talking about world championships and rings. And and Ryan broke out his, his gold medal for me. And I thought that was really cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, John, you know, we, John Day was there we were talking about uh his his awards that he'd won on the pga tour uh and the topic was man arthur got two shares in 2011 he got two rings he got a runner-up ring and a world championship ring what really happened did you get two shares and two rings i got two shares and i got two rings but that is that's pretty awesome one and one parade right like you said i signed with the rangers my hometown and um and it's funny that we had a game in, in Toronto. There's two scoreless innings. Two. And after the game, Ron Washington called me in the clubhouse and his office said, well, we're going to designate you for assignment. I said, what? That designate for assignment? I said, I just pitched two shutouts in and, and you're going to designate me? I said, okay. Well, I just said, take the plane. Take the flight home back. Uh, we going to uh, where we going? I think we was going to Chicago. Take the plane back to Chicago, then uh, just hang out with the guys, and then we'll fly you back home uh, the next day. I said okay. Play golf with the guys the next day. Then that next morning, got on the flight back to Texas. About about a month later, I signed with St. Louis. I, and, and I told him, I said, I see y'all in the playoffs somewhere. Uh, you know it. I met him up in the World Series. Then we that, that had that had to be pretty cool. So, yeah, you know, because I and, and, and especially ahead. yeah, and especially for you. I mean, what a long career! You'd been close a lot of times. We've been in the playoffs a bunch of times. But how fitting was it? Your last year, you finally win that ring. A lot of us, I never got to win a ring. A lot of guys aren't aren't lucky. You know, you see those guys that win multiple rings, and it's like it, it's. With all the players you played with and against over the years, it's it's so hard to win that World Series. You're a testament to it. You were on some some great teams for a long time, and you won one, and it happened to be your last year. Uh, how cool was it for you to to be chasing it your whole life, and finally it comes to fruition your final season? Yeah, I t- like I said, it was it started like um, I'm gonna go back in 2010 when I was with Cincinnati. And I made the all-star team. Never made the all-star team in, say, 19 years, you know, 20, 20 some years. Then you make your first all-star team in 2010. Then the next year, okay, you never know you're going to be in the World Series and trying to get a World Series ring. Signed with Texas, then I went to St. Louis. Then you, you see yourself up in the, in the World Series facing the team you signed. And I said, okay, we're going to. I'm gonna get all the scoop about these guys and see if we can win this 
this uh, World Series. So I got all that, told the guys in the clubhouse. Then we ended up winning the World Series. And winning the World Series, I said, oh, you know what? I get another ring for Texas because I was with the Texas Rangers, and they won the American League Championship. So you know what? I get two rings. <laughs> that's pretty That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. That, like I said, is that I got an all-star ring. I was happy. I wanted to make the all-star team. And it's tough to make the all-star out of the bullpen. But really I can, tough. And I proved myself I, I can do a lot. I can work hard. I've been working hard for 20 years at it. And I say, you know, my next goal is I want to wear a serious ring. That next year, you get, you get two rings. You got two. Yeah. Uh, great career, Arthur. Uh, I it. Started off as a starter, closer, world champ. It ends after 2011. And we talked about a little bit recently. You, uh, you coach in the minor leagues. I just want to just – I don't need you to expand at, at length. I just got back from watching Jakey in that Frontier League, which you've been a part of for a few years. Um, but back in our minor league days, in the late 80s, 1990 to 92 for me, the minor leagues was the minor leagues, and, and it was the way it was. Try to take yourself back, remember what it was like for you. What's the minor leagues like now, and how much has it changed? <laughs> minor leagues right now? Yeah. Like- got major league baseball stadiums they got yep. better houses they got better food i don't know if you can say you got better coaching or you got young coaching but the the, the minor leagues got a lifestyle as as they sport rotten i'm gonna put it that way right i i think and and for people listening out there what we're what we're talking about is my son's in the minor leagues right now. There's been a lot of talk of we're minor leaguers. We need to be paid more. We need this and that. I'm all for making better facilities. You know, I wish we would have had better facilities. Those fields oh, yeah. we played on in, in that, in that, uh, we in that Carolina, Carolina league, there were, there were some rough fields. We didn't, we didn't have, we didn't, a lot of times we'd go on a row. We didn't have a locker room. We, no. We'd show, we'd show up in the dugout, sit there and have dinner in the dugout, waiting for B, their BP to be over so we can hit. Then we take infield and, and have at it, put our uniforms on, get on the bus, go back, wash our own clothes, and and move on from there. I think, though, looking back, I enjoyed those times because we were grinding, man. It made you hungry. It made you want to get to the big leagues to get out of the minor leagues. And when I hear the talk, yeah, I think the facilities being being new and and state-of-the-art, I think that's all great. I think it's better for developing players. Of course, to give my young players in the minor leagues a better diet. I think that's great. And those are all things that 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 have gotten better through time. But when they talk about I hear minor league players fighting it all the time. We don't get paid enough. And and my son's a part of it. Of course, if my son gets paid a little more, that's good for dad. Mm-hmm. But I told him, I said, listen, you don't deserve to get paid any more than you do. I said, you 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 give nothing to the bottom line of that franchise. You know what I'm saying? The big leaguers are the one that make it go around, make it to the big leagues. You're going to be paid handsomely. Uh, And I'm not for or against the minor league guys. It's like, you're going to make more money. That's great. Whatever. But when I hear the, the almost victim mentality of, Oh, you don't know how tough it is here in the minor leagues. Well, my answer is play better, play better and get to the big leagues. And you'll really be rewarded right now. But right. you don't add to the bottom line. That owner that that pays for your pays your salary, pays for those 
those ballparks, pays for your meals, pays for you don't make him a nickel. Nope. You don't make him a nickel. When you get to the big leagues, you make him a pretty penny. You yeah. definitely do. But uh I don't I don't know. So that that's that's kind of my thought process too. I don't I don't want these guys not to have nice things. But at the same time, when I hear them talking about how how they're really deprived in the minor leagues, my answer has been will always be play better and you won't be in the minor leagues. Yeah. That's why I always tell them. You go out, like that was for me. I tried to I tried to make the big leagues in in two years. But that's right. not gonna happen. But I can say is once you go to big league camp, you try to if they send you down, you keep your head up, go to the minor leagues. Don't think you the, the the number one star of the team in the minor leagues. You go out there, be be yourself, be whatever you did that got you to big league camp. Go back down to uh, A ball, work your way up. Go to A ball, go to double A. Don't try to change yourself. Be yourself as you get up to A ball, double A, and triple A. And once you get to the big league, don't change either. But you change you change yourself in the big league, them uh, them veterans gonna let you know that hey, you still a rookie. You come you you just come out here every day and do your job. Arthur Rhodes, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on the Boom Podcast. For all you out there listening to the Boom Podcast, subscribe, drop us a note, tell us what you'd like to hear, what you wouldn't like to hear. We'll see you next time. All right, Boney, you take care, man. Anytime. <laughs>